0: Welcome to the Think Yourself Healthy podcast, where we challenge you to think differently about your approach to health and wellness. My name is Heather Duranja, and I'm excited to be here with you to take you on the journey from surviving to thriving. Hello everybody. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, I have a very special returning guest. Her name is Kelly Pitts, also known as the Femininity Doctor. She shows women who are struggling with fear and rejection, they learn how to relax into their femininity so that they can be happy, healed, desirable, and wildly successful. Now more than ever, she is on a mission to help women understand that the world will never not need our femininity. All across the globe, women are being inspired through her candidness and vulnerability to reclaim their own femininity for good. Kelly, yeah. thank you so much for coming back on the show. I'm really excited to have you. Of course, uh, <laughs> First and foremost, thank you so much for the gracious gift of your book, not only for myself, but for all women out there who are desperately seeking something different because uh, living in our masculine isn't always so favorable. And unfortunately, yeah. I had to learn that the hard way.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely understand that. I've been there.
0: Yeah. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here with us. And um, let's talk about the book and share your expertise with the audience.
1: Okay. All right. I'm ready. Let's do it. And hello, everybody.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. So Kelly, um, you know, you and I have chatted before and that whole idea of femininity was such a foreign concept for me. And it was probably one of the, I, I would say, one of the later chapters of my own journey that I truly had to surrender and learn how to embra- embrace that feminine energy and let go of the control of operating from that masculinity.
1: Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
0: It was a very scary, yet extremely liberating choice. Mm -hmm. So talk to us, tell the audience what brought you here. What brought you to actually write this book?
1: Well, so I found myself doing a live with the Harvey twins and I felt sort of bad because I had nothing to leave their audience with. And someone who I very much look up to said, you never, ever, ever do um, an appearance or live and have nothing to leave the audience with. And, you know, saying inspirational things on Instagram is nice. It gets attention, but you want to take your credibility to the next level. And you've been writing this book your entire life. Look at how much content you share on social media. Mm-hmm. You need to package this package this together and really offer women something life-changing that they can hold on to, highlight, hold, refer back to. And so that's how I actually came to this place of writing uh, this book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So I personally feel like when it comes to diving into the topic and conversation around masculinity and femininity, for me, that was a very intimidating topic to really... Mm -hmm dive into and kind of embrace and you know i i personally feel that your book is Mm -hmm. such an incredible tool to introduce women to feminine energy and what being in your femininity actually means Uh, because it's not something that we're inherently taught especially um, our generation of women Mm -hmm. and beyond so Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I felt you did an incredible job of really describing these characteristics and using your own personal stories to help connect with the audience and put tangible experiences to what it means to be in that masculine energy versus embracing that divine feminine. Mm -hmm. So I thought you did a great job girlfriend.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah,
0: it's it's a great um, for the for the listeners, the audience listening. um, Kelly did a great job of really writing a user friendly manual to help you connect with that divine feminine so that we can start living our best lives. I've done a lot of, you know, Google searches over the last couple of years of what does it mean to be a divine feminine in my, you know, I think that there's this misconception that femininity is wearing the high heels and having perfectly, you know, curated hair and nails and makeup, but femininity goes so much deeper than that. Can you kind of share with the audience what those core components are?
1: Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you um, made that comparison because women, I think, feel like, oh, I'm not very feminine because I don't dress very girly or I don't wear high heels or I don't know how to walk in a certain fashion that makes men uh, turn their heads. And and, and and the essence of a woman is important, you know, and how she shows up in the world physically or, you know, um, the, you know, the exterior. But what women don't seem to understand is that femininity is about energy and then execution. So walking in the heels and knowing how to dress and knowing how to bat your eyelashes, you know, all those things are nice, girly extras, you know, or things I like to more so allocate to the um, execution portion of things. But women need to understand that. The feminine energy is is how someone knows they are in the presence of a truly feminine woman. You know, we think about the fact that a woman was made to be gentle and soft and nurturing and more emotional than logical, you know, and vulnerable and expressive and more in tune, you know, with her emotions. That's when we start talking about true femininity on fire. You know, that grace, that poise, that knowing without having to always say. And how does a woman get there? By understanding her wounds. How can a woman truly um, master coming off as a gentle, nurturing, you know, soft, you know, just truly feminine woman if she's got you know all of this anger and ill and resentment, if she doesn't understand her pain, she doesn't understand her trauma, how can she truly execute that feminine energy if she's got all of that going on? Mm-hmm. And so that's what femininity is is really about, you know, that understanding your natural.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I I think it's fair to say that as a society and at a very early age in our, you know, our um, journey of going from childhood into adolescence and teenage years and early adulthood, that women are discouraged to embrace those emotional states and allow for that vulnerability and transparency to be seen and heard for them to express their needs and understanding how to draw boundaries. That's not a very safe thing that we're taught early on. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, yeah. One thousand percent. One thousand um, percent. And people people who teach these things to us, they don't truly understand, you know, what femininity is. And so they say these things to women thinking that they're helping, Well, really what they're encouraging a woman to do is deny her nature. And that's not safe. You know, we were created, we were all this, you know, humans, man and woman created to feel, but a woman is definitely created to be more in tune with her emotions, you know, as she has to take on that nurturing role in society, men are created to hunt. You know, protect and provide. Women are created to, you know, nurture and love and and help further, you know, humanity by way of, you know, pregnancy. Obviously, so even to do that successfully, you have to be emotionally vulnerable, emotionally intelligent, and vulnerable. Discouraging women from understanding the importance of that um, is is really setting them up for failure. So, Mm -hmm. absolutely,
0: absolutely. I know for myself, at a very early age, I was criticized for being overly emotional. You know, I would get called the crybaby, or I was overreacting, or I was a hypochondriac. And so what I learned is that it wasn't safe for me to show my true feelings and to express that emotion. And so I shoved that down. And then with the resistance of being able to show that emotion, it caused me to engage in very self-destructive behaviors. Yeah. that that's a very common theme I see across the board and I do a lot of work with individuals suffering with eating disorders and substance abuse and mental health and when I'm having conversations with clients talking about you know their body image a lot of times what I'll hear them say are things like well I need to be thinner in order to attract a man. I'm not attractive if I'm not a certain weight or fitting in a certain size jean. And it's always Mm -hmm. astonishing to me to think, how did we come about believing this thought that we have to fit a certain mold in order to be attractive? Because what I have learned is that men really don't give a shit about what size we are it's about the confidence we bring with wearing whatever that size might be that it's the confidence that they're attracted to it has nothing to do with the actual physical body composition
1: so Mm -hmm.
0: how do we how do we start teaching women at an earlier age that confidence is the real you know, um, tool, the confidence is the real, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but that hook that we want to use to catch that potential partner. I
1: would Say this in regards first, you know, in regards to, you know, weight and body image. Um, it, I, I, I guess the kind of men that I normally attract, I have found that they, they definitely care about um, your, your physical appearance. And, you know, I was always taught that you tell the world what you believe you deserve by how you show up in it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it might not be about being the thinnest, you know, or about being the most curvy, but it definitely is about being, you know, a size that is, you know, healthy, you mm-hmm. know, and, and just being healthy in general, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 finding a way to communicate to the world that I do care about myself, I do care about my body, I do care about my health, I do care about, you know, what I put in my temple. Mm -hmm. And so I do find that that's what men tend to look for. Because, you know, when he's thinking about his children, when he's thinking about his future, you know, he wants to know that you are a woman who values her body and values her temple and values herself. And, you know,
0: you know, a physique
1: or, you know, a a physical appearance definitely can speak to that. So I will say that, right. Um, But, Teaching women, how do, how do we teach women to be confident so that they can attract a man? I would say it starts with t- encouraging women to understand, you know, their heart. Mm-hmm. I truly do. Um, and and I, I, I'm so connected spiritually. And I, I've had this realization more and more in the last month or so. Understanding your heart and being able to articulate your heart, what's in your heart you know, that is where true feminine confidence lies. For instance, you said, you know, you were told you're a hypochondriac, you're, you're, you're always overreacting, you know, all of those things. Can you imagine, you know, what that would have done, what, how differently things might've been, or how you would have maybe come to certain things sooner in your life. if someone said, Hey, get in tune with your heart, Heather, what do you feel And let's help you understand how to express that in a healthy way so that people don't think you're overreacting, but rather they can respect what it is that you believe you feel, even if they don't agree. Right.
0: Oh, I would have saved decades, decades of pain and suffering.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Same. 1000% same, you know, and and tell you this, Heather, you know, just. Dating, you know, as much as I have, you know, um, and I'm, I'm private about my love life, so I, just, I do keep things general, but dating as much as I have, had I known that, you know, men, they, re- they respond to, you know, just you being genuine and authentic and what's in your heart. Mm -hmm. you know, they don't necessarily respond to dramatics, they don't necessarily respond to negative or toxic emotions. But, you know, had someone even told me, you know, growing up, you know, hey, I want you to really always be connected to your heart, process your feelings, so that you can articulate them, because people can respect that it would have saved me, you know, you know, same decades of heartbreaking confusion because, you know, men would always, I would say something, but then I would go back on it because I didn't want to come off as needy or desperate and emotional. And the men would say, I don't have a problem with what you need and what you want, but it's just the way you come off. You don't seem so sure you go back on your word. I need to know who you are. Right. Being into your heart is, is what, is what I need, you know, you to do because you can't tell me what you need if you really don't know.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think that, yeah. Majority of people don't really know where to begin when it comes to connecting with their heart and mm-hmm. to, you know, explore what that even means for them. So, how do you encourage someone who is so disconnected from their heart that it's never been a safe place for them to explore what those emotions and feelings are? How do you encourage someone to? allow themselves to open up and even go there.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And I'm smiling because this that question actually uh, makes me think about uh, the first uh, portion of my book, which is called wiping your slate clean. Mm -hmm. A a lot of times what we are going to have to do is unlearn what we've been taught because You know, the reality is a lot of us come from descendants of, you know, people who lived in very painful times and they just, they taught us what they knew best. Mm -hmm. And so forgiving them and understanding, look, they did what they knew how to do. Mm -hmm. And it's time for me to forgive them for what they really believed was right. Um, That's first, right? Absolutely. Because a lot of women try to make progress, but then they find themselves still angry. And I'm like, well, angry with who? And they're like, well, you know, I feel better, but you know, it's just I can't get over the fact that this person said this to me and the, And I'm like, okay, well, so let's 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 do this. Let's completely wipe your slate clean. You're gonna need to forgive others, you're gonna need to forgive yourself. You're gonna need to start trusting yourself again, and then you're gonna need to do a lot of self-reflection, mm-hmm. right? Understand you know, really spend time with yourself in solitude, write down, you know, what's going on so that you can track your growth and track your progress. And, you know, that's one of the biggest ways that you get in tune um, with um, learning how to express your heart and understanding where you are going and, you know, how to attract, you know, people or opportunities or things that you truly want. And so I definitely talk about that in the first half of my book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I loved it. I loved all of your tips. Um, I know for me, one of my biggest areas of resistance was actually writing those feelings down. I can recall being a very young girl. And I had I was I desperately wanted a diary so that I could start recording my feelings and my thoughts. And I came home one day and my mom had read my diary. And then that turned into a really ugly argument and a lot of scolding and a lot of me feeling guilty about the things that I had put on paper. So at that time, I learned it wasn't safe for me not only to verbalize things, but it also wasn't safe for me to write them down in a form that someone else could find them and then criticize me for whatever it was I was feeling. Yeah, so for me, when I read your book, um, you know, it really validated again my my need to have to revisit being able to record this journey um, tangibly through the use of journaling because that is something that I had a lot of resistance around. But when I was reading your book, I realized. Well, that resistance is the fear that was programmed in me at a very early age. And I have done you know, an immense amount of work with healing a lot of those traumas. Um, I also got diagnosed with a learning disability at a very early age. And so I was criticized for my reading and writing skills. So then there was also that fear Of misspelling words and not forming appropriate sentence structures. So, when I sat back after reading your book and really looked at the big picture of all of the resistance, I was able to really identify multiple things that were keeping me from doing that. But I see, I really see the importance of that and being able to tangibly have something to flip back on and say, wow, look at my growth. Look at, Look at where I thought I was at rock bottom and that I would never be able to recover and, you know, get back to where I want to be. But look at my resilience. Here I am.
1: Absolutely. And congratulations. Seriously.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So no. I went out and bought myself a beautiful journal. And you would be <laughs> proud to know that I have been forcing myself to incorporate anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes, either in my morning routine or evening routine to um, start forming that habit, something that um, I can be proud of, you know, instead of self betraying by saying, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it and then never doing it. I'm regardless of how uncomfortable it initially was, I I started showing up for myself that way. So thank you.
1: Good, good. And you're going to be so proud of yourself and so proud of your growth when you look back over your life and say, I don't know, we're looking at 420, 2021, and now your Heather is in you know, for 2020, 22. And you're like, wow, I really overcame that fear of rejection. How do I know that? Because I wrote down what I was feeling. And I can firmly say that I am no longer there that that instills a sense of pride in a woman. So good for you.
0: Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree with that more. So what do you What is your recommendation for other women out there who are struggling right now and having the resistance with putting the pen to the paper?
1: Um, My recommendation is to just do it. It's you versus you. And it's your journal. No one's going to read it. Um, And keeping that stuff bottled up inside of you is completely unhealthy. And so you've got to ask yourself a question. Who am I today? What kind of woman would I like to be? And what is it going to take to close that gap? And am I willing to do whatever it takes to close that gap? you can have happiness. You can have feminine joy and feminine freedom, and you can live a life that you want instead of a life that you have to settle for. You know what I mean? You can have the career, you can have the money, you can have the man, you can have the family, but the reality is it's going to take you and deciding not to do what it takes to heal yourself is only keeping you from what you say you want. So do what it takes.
0: Absolutely. So ironically enough, you, um, I'm going to share a little personal story with you. So (laughs) Tuesday, Tuesday, I took the day off and decided that I wanted to spend the time with someone I have been dating. We have very opposite schedules, so we don't get a whole lot of time together And so I decided to take an opportunity, clear my schedule and make it all about being present in the relationship. So we had an incredible day together. And as evening approached, all of a sudden I recognized I was extremely happy, feeling very content, very joyful. And then this immense amount of fear overcame me of that feeling of, oh my gosh, when is the ball going to drop? And I literally said to myself, everything's going so great in my career. Everything is going great. All of the things that I have set goals, I'm obtaining them. I'm checking all of the boxes. Now I've got this amazing guy in my life that I'm dating who's really allowing me to embrace my divine feminine. And he's being that strong masculine. And then I realized, oh, shit, all those. (laughs) Old stories are trying to come back into play of that I can't have it all and so I decided that I was going to verbalize this and I was going to share this aha moment that I was having with this individual and It was a, I was so proud of myself for being able to be transparent and verbalize what I was feeling. And then for them to be able to have held space for me and just recognize, you know, where I was at in that moment and then support me. It was such a a beautiful moment. And then I was able to redirect that self dialogue into a more serving place to stay in alignment with how I want to feel and where I want to go. But it was uh, like one of those, wow, aha moments. Oh, there's all that programming trying to come back in to tell me that I can't have it all, but I can. And here's why. And I verbalized all of that to myself.
1: Absolutely. Good for you.
0: Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. It was a really um, awesome, awesome moment. So what do you, what are your thoughts around self-talk and redirecting dialogue when you recognize you're telling yourself those old stories that aren't really yours to begin with, that away well, all of our joy?
1: Absolutely. Um, thought is that I do it myself. <laughs> so I know how powerful it is. I know it works, right? There are going to be plenty of times, you know, as you're on your journey where you have to literally stop and give yourself a pep talk or else, or else you're going to self-destruct in that moment. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's something that I do so often, you know, because people think that, oh, you know, I'm healing and I'm healed. And so, you know, no adversity is going to come my way, right? No, it doesn't work like that. There are going to be things that, you know, reintroduce themselves to you just, to make sure that you are completely strong and that you have overcome the very thing that you thought that you had. And so it's going to take you reassuring yourself. It's going to take you talking to yourself. It's going to take you reminding yourself, like, listen, that is just an old pain. That is an old trauma. It's not a part of who you are anymore. And you have the power to keep on walking forward. So mm-hmm. absolutely. hmm.
0: Yeah, with so much, so much truth to that statement. And I like the fact that you mentioned, you know, not only did you just speak about it, but also in the book, you talk about how we kind of have this idea, right? That there's a, there's an end goal that we're doing all of this work and then we're going to be completely healed. And that is an unrealistic expectation that we put upon ourselves Because the truth is, this is a continuing journey and the universe is going to present obstacles, lessons that we have failed in the past to really see if we have learned that lesson and being able to build that resilience and move forward. Mm -hmm. So
1: what
0: what is your advice to individuals who are early in this journey of trying to explore that healing and embrace the emotions and the traumas that they experience, how would you, what would you say to that individual to encourage them to keep doing the work, but also set realistic expectations about that journey? Wow. Well, okay.
1: So what I would tell any woman, um, Who just kind of wants to feel like she's on the right path and that she's making the right decision is that you don't really have a choice, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, or you do have a choice, but the reality is, which what do you want more? Do you want your pain? Do you want your past, or do you want your future and your healing? Mm -hmm. So you can make whatever choice. You know, it really is up to you. But I want you to think about how you've been living your life and if that has been working for you or if you know there's better for you and what you would like to realistically do and how you would like to show up and how you would like to feel mm-hmm. and and just and just keep on reminding yourself of that. Listen, I could stop doing the work i could shy away from you know um doing the things i know i need to do to become a better version of myself or i could keep on walking even though i've only made baby steps it's it's still better than where you were you're not where you used to be Mm -hmm. right? right i could keep or i could do that and understand that if i keep on working at this i will make it to the other side right and so that is the advice I would give to any woman always be taking inventory and asking yourself that question. Do I like what I've been doing? Has it been working for me? Is there better for me? What am I going to choose? Because I do have the power to either stay right here, send myself backwards or keep on walking forward um, and to realize the life that it is that I want. And so that's what I would say.
0: Yeah, I, I really feel that so many people are really addicted to the pain and suffering, they have attached their identity to that chaos, you know, for many, many decades, my mantra about life was life was chaos.
1: And, yes.
0: and I know that you can relate to that. You talk about that in the book and yeah. I didn't realize how addicted I was to the chaos, but the chaos was comfortable. It was predictable. I knew what to expect. I could ensure that, you know, in the end, I was going to be left feeling unworthy, undeserving, unlovable. And all of those were guarantees. Yeah. I found, I find that many women, especially women, They're really, really scared to do this work because of that unknown identity. Well, if I'm not the, you know, if I'm not the drama queen, if I'm not the addict, if I'm not the eating disorder person, if I'm not the victim, who am I? And that's Uh, really frightening (laughs) for
1: people. Yeah, I know. I can definitely attest to that. I know completely.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I feel like we, you know, you and I as educators, sharing platforms to talk about these kind of topics, that it's really a responsibility to share with individuals that there isn't this end goal that one day you will no longer have to do the work. The work <laughs> is going to be a continuous process based upon your willingness to continue evolving and embracing that divine energy that we all have access to, to co-create our lives and our realities, to meet whatever those goals, desires, dreams are. But I feel Mm -hmm. like when we start doing this work, you know, we think, well, how many therapy sessions is it going to take me? Yeah. Well, there is no certain amount of therapy sessions the goal needs to be as i do my therapy how how is this going to support me with being able to build that resilience so that when the challenging times do come i'm able to overcome them a lot quicker instead of falling into a trap of depression or anxiety and lingering there for months years it may last a matter of, you know, seconds, hours, days, versus what we've experienced in the past. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Could you repeat that last part, Heather? Cause I couldn't, I couldn't, something happened with my speaker or something like that.
0: Yeah, no problem. So what I was saying is that ultimately, um, the goal really needs to be about this healing process is about building resilience. It's not about getting to an end point where we no longer have to do the work, Right, about doing the work. So we build the resilience. So when those moments of challenge come, we have a much better ability of ebbing and flowing and avoiding slipping back into depressions or unhealthy situations that may last days, weeks, months, years,
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: you know, and being able to maybe only be there for a few moments, a few seconds, a few minutes or a week or a couple of days. And then we have the the tools, the skills, the knowledge, everything we need to bounce back and continue heading on that path of our desired dreams. So mm-hmm. what is your advice to um, someone out there who maybe gave it a try they they started their healing journey they put the work in and then all of the sudden they they hit that obstacle and then they gave up what what do you say to that individual
1: I would say to that individual to really search their hearts and ask themselves what they're in this life for you know because you have a point Heather a lot of people they think oh you know I should you know, probably be on this healing journey for two months. And then I am going to be a okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I say, well, then I don't know if your goal is to be truly better and truly well within, I think you're after something superficial, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, I want to heal because I want a husband or I want to become better because I want more money or a better friends or a better job. And 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 the reality is, the creator of the universe, the universe, you know, all things conspire together to, and it, and, and that can be felt. Your, in, is it insincerity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> your sincerity towards your to, towards your life and towards your person can be felt, and so that's why you're not getting the results that you want because you're not truly in it for the right reasons,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so go back at it, understanding that the better you become, the better you attract and the happier that you'll be. And that's the goal. And it's going to take work and it is a journey, but that's what you should be focused on, truly becoming better and truly becoming well within, you know, and there's no timeline that you can put on that. Right. So, but, 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 but this is your life we're talking about. So you're going to stay stuck because you didn't get the results you wanted in two months search your heart and really figure out why you're in this life and, and, and go and go back at it. Right.
0: So I, I would say that for a lot of us, especially females whom take that approach and we set these goals and then we don't reach it in this certain time frame, mm-hmm. that our attachment to, um, an outcome, right. To a yes, having certainty around an outcome and, and with our, um, Desire to feel like we're controlling these outcomes, we really lose out on the opportunity to experience what our heart really desires. Would you agree?
1: Oh, yes, 1000%. That's so funny. My trainer sent me something yesterday basically saying, you know, um, release the ex So Let me actually see if I can find it. It said burning desire, detachment from outcome. Um, by Kabbalion, Napoleon Hill, and Neville Goddard. And they talk about exactly that. Um, Doing the work, right? But release, detaching yourself from the outcome, because holding on to a specific, you know, uh, expectation actually does not free you up to really receive how good it could actually be. Right. Yes, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And I like, I like the fact that you you um, address these concerns throughout the book, and you go there and you help bring about awareness that that is something that we are doing that is actually not serving, not serving this healing journey. Is trying to control the outcome and have unrealistic expectations. So one of my questions for you is. Um, A lot of women, the goal is to get a husband, right? It wasn't taken care of. And I absolutely loved your transparency in the book when you talk about this. And so a lot of times what I feel happens is that we are trying to hold two opposing beliefs at the same time that block our ability to receive what it is our heart is desiring. So I'm going to give you an example for us to discuss, okay? This was one of those, aha, like mind-blowing things that I, I had awareness around over the last couple of years. When I was a little girl, my grandmother used to say to me, Heather, you're not intelligent, but you're pretty. And because you're pretty, you will always find a man to take care of you. Mm. And so innately and intuitively within me, I had this very divine feminine energy of wanting to nurture and take care of others. But because the seed was planted in my head that I wasn't intelligent, that I, you know, would need to be dependent on a man in order to survive in life, I resented my appearance. I resented men wanting to um you know being attracted to me and offering to take care of me. I that was like a fuck you basically <laughs> a, a rebellion on my part, right? But mm-hmm. in the core in the core of my heart, my heart desired I want to have a partnership. I want to have a man in my life that's going to help support me and be there to help you know, help me figure out these challenging times instead of me always needing to do it myself. Yeah. After I got divorced, um, I had this expectation in my head that within a matter of a year to two years, I would have found the perfect man and that I would be remarried and I'd be starting a family and and living the white picket fence life, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then fast forward 10 years later, and I'm like, oh, shit, none of that (laughs) happened." Wait Mm -hmm. a minute. Where did this expectation come from in the first place? And then I realized, well, the expectation was that around me, what I saw was people getting divorced all the time and then immediately getting remarried. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they were happy. Right. 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 So I had an unrealistic expectation of what that was supposed to look like. But most importantly, I was blocking my ability to receive a partnership, a supportive partnership with a masculine energy because of my resentment of feeling like I needed a man in order to survive from that seed that was planted in me so early. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. 1000%. <laughs> yes. It's like, um, it's like you wanted, you truly wanted it, but you were also afraid of having it because of what you were told it meant.
0: Right. And I think yeah. that I fear judgment from that. Like, you know, just to be transparent, I've had many, many men come into my life who are very wealthy and have been very, generous with their offers to me of, of wanting to financially provide and support me and support my business. And the second that a man would proposition me with that, I would immediately check out done up. He's next please. And would completely dismiss any of those kind gestures because I perceived it as this person wants to control me. They want to blah, 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 blah. And I, Didn't have the ability to recognize, well, maybe they were coming from an actually authentic place of wanting to help, wanting to support, wanting to take care of me so that I could actually get out of this survival mode of having to work, you know, 70 hour weeks and being exhausted all the time just to make ends meet. So I was blocking myself from having the ability to receive that masculine energy and partnership because of this idea of what I thought that would be perceived by others on my part if I received that help. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely, 1000%.
0: So do you think this is um, more of a common thing than, than we realize that we are, a lot of us are holding these opposing beliefs that are actually blocking our ability from being in those healthy relationships and embracing that divine energy?
1: Yeah, I believe that most people are holding on to opposing beliefs and not just in or in regards to relationships, but in regards to most things, I think you're always, if you will, battling that good or that bad or that, you know, that that lower or that higher part of yourself, you know, where, okay, I know what I want. I know what I would like, you know, and that is what the higher uh, self the higher version of myself affirms to me. But then I also kind of have one hand behind me still stuck in fear, Mm -hmm. which I like to call your lower self, which, you know, for you would have been, you know, I I don't need you to take care of me. You know, I, I am actually smart and capable all on my own. And you might just be coming to want to support me because I'm pretty, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's something that I was conditioned to believe, which is fear Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Fear or uncertainty. And so, yeah, those were that th- for you, those were your opposing um, um, beliefs. And so that happens with most people, which is why I, I so support people overcome overcoming their fear, um, their fears and of uh, I'm so sorry, their fear and rejection. Because until you do that, you'll always kind of have two things dwelling inside of you. And how can you really, really be successful at attracting what it is that you want? when there's all this confusion, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So how do you suggest we start making sense of all of the confusion?
1: Okay. So (laughs) I'm trying to see, I'm trying to see, uh, I want to, you know, put myself out there and give an example. Um, before I was, clear or more clear on you know exactly what i wanted in love um gosh this is so funny i would do this thing where i would think about the good guys and all in all that they represented and how nice that felt but because i wanted love you know and i wanted something serious and i wanted something you know secure that i could always have faith in mm-hmm. you know but then there would always be that side of where well, your narcissist that, that narcissistic upbringing you know told you that you were this and so you're kind of attracted you know, to men who still kind of bring about that pain and who bring about that drama and who bring about that confusion because it's what you've always known. And so what I do is anytime I have two things trying to dwell inside of my spirit or my house, I ask myself, what is it that you really, really want? Which of these beliefs is serving that? Which of these beliefs is not? Do your very best to kick or to deny that side of yourself that is allowing these beliefs to dwell inside of your house that are keeping you from having what you want. If you have a negative thought, you know, for instance, that says you'll never find romance, ignore that, starve it, don't feed it. You know what I mean? Because it's not true. It's just fear and focus diligently and intensely on that side of yourself that says you will have love. You will find a healthy man who loves you and who is ready to provide and hunt and protect focus on that exclusively and starve that side of yourself that really is trying to come and reclaim you and make you believe in the fear that is keeping you from having what it is that you want.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I know for myself that, that really trying to find that clarity piece was very challenging because I did hold such opposing beliefs on so many levels when it came to my professional career, my ability to financially provide for self, and then also wanting to you know, have a healthy relationship where there, there would be a person who was also offering those same things. Um, I had to get really, really clear. And that was really challenging. And so for myself, I recall um, dedicating a lot of time to locking myself in my room and pulling out a piece of paper and basically what I created was kind of my my owner's manual I like to refer to it as where I sat down and I thought about all of the traumas all of the things that caused me to respond or react in certain patterns and these are the parts of me that I want to continue healing and so in order for me to be in a supportive relationship i need my partner to understand here are all of the here are all of the things all of the wounds right that i'm trying to heal and i don't want you to feel responsible for having to do the healing for me here's what i need in return for you to support me to continue my healing journey and when i sat down and created this document it took a lot of work. It was a very scary place to be, to have that kind of honesty with myself. (laughs) I was like, Whoa, we're going there girl. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it was so liberating because then I was able to really recognize what it was. I was actually seeking in a potential partner. So Mm -hmm. Most of us approach that, you know, writing that list of they've got to be six foot tall, they have to make <laughs> this kind of money, they need to be, you know, they need to like to do these things. And ultimately, those aren't the the core components that we need to be seeking when we're looking for potential partners, we really need to understand what it is we need from a partner to Mm -hmm. continue our own healing and growth and have that successful, healthy relationship balance that encourages that masculine and divine feminine energies to support one another in that yin yang type of uh, balance.
1: 1000%.
0: Yeah. So, um, do you, have you done something like that for yourself? I'm curious.
1: Yeah. So, so for me here, here's, here's what really gets me through and just kind of helps, you know, remind me and just bring clarity and direction for me, always chasing my purpose, Mm -hmm. always chasing after my why because mm-hmm. when you get clear on yourself, your reason for existing and what you are here to do, you naturally understand, okay, well, if I'm here to do this, if I'm supposed to fulfill this, what do I already have in order to do that? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what do I lack? You know, not in a negative way, but what do I need? Um, and that's how you can start to ask yourself, well, if I know what I need in order to fulfill this and I know what I have and I know what's missing. I can easily identify who might be for me mm-hmm. based on what it is that they can contribute. So that's what it is for me.
0: Yeah. Well, would you, would you agree that probably majority of individuals out there really don't have a purpose? They, they have complete lack of knowledge of, of what that purpose and, and service actually is for them.
1: I think, I think here's what I think. I think we all have a purpose. I think that we are destined to complete. Do I think most people know what their purpose is? No. <laughs> and, and that's why I want to encourage women like, listen, really do the hard work and go after your purpose. Mm-hmm. Understand your, because if you don't even know what you're supposed to do, if you don't even know your reason for being, if you're not sure of yourself, how can you really be sure of other people? Right. And, Think that this lack of knowing, uh of true of truly knowing oneself is the reason why there's so much so much brokenness, especially in modern society. I really do. People are always chasing after superficial things, like the six-foot-one guy with this amount of money, and they don't spend enough time chasing themselves. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with you.
0: Absolutely. So would you encourage everyone to first and foremost, learn how to date themselves? I know you talk about this in the book and I absolutely loved it uh, <laughs> because I connected so much with that because yeah. for me <laughs> taking that approach and learning how to date myself was literally the best gift I ever gave myself into helping me understand what I was actually looking for in, um, in others.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it. How can you, how can you articulate to someone who you are and what you need if you've not even spent time doing that due diligence with yourself?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How can you actually tell someone, you know, here's what's happening and here's, here are the areas where I need support if you just have no clue. Right. Truly.
0: You know, it's so funny because I can remember the specific experience in 2000 september of 2007 i um, made the decision to go in and have brunch by myself and Mm -hmm. this was literally one of my biggest fears literally i i remember pulling into the parking lot of the restaurant and shaking, there's no way I can go in there by myself. And I literally was having this internal battle inside the car. And then finally I was like, just get the fuck out of the car, Heather, just go do it. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in there and ordering my food and having this fear of people wondering what was wrong with me, why was I there by myself? And then all of a sudden I chose to let go of all of that judgment I was having about you know me having this lunch by myself. And in the end, when I returned back to my car, it was so liberating. I was so freaking fr- proud of myself. I was like, oh my God, that was amazing. I need to do that more often. Why haven't I done that before?
1: Absolutely. So, Absolutely.
0: so how, can we, how can we encourage others to try to overcome some of these fears with dating ourselves and, and putting ourselves out there and being alone and being content with ourselves in social situations. How do we encourage that?
1: I, so I actually, I like what you did because it's something that I found myself um, doing anytime I have doubt and fear really about anything. It's understanding that, listen, this is a battle of the mind. (laughs) Truly it is. And whatever it is that you are so afraid that others are thinking they're probably not. Yeah truly, probably not. No one even notices that you're probably there by yourself because you're trying to figure out who you are in the most holier or in the Taoist of ways. And nobody's thinking that it could be a number of things, you know, if they even care enough to think about you at all, why not say to yourself, nobody's thinking about me, nobody's worrying about me. And if they are, they're thinking something positive, like, oh, how brave is she for actually coming out to brunch and enjoying her own company yeah. or up oh, wow, um, she's this confident in herself that she's just willing to get out and enjoy, you know, and have a good time, you know, or, oh, maybe her friend canceled on her last minute. And she decided that, you know what, I still want to, you know, just kind of have a little, you know, date with myself. They could be thinking, you know, something positive. And so tell yourself, people aren't worried about you as much as you think they are. And if they are, why not say that they're thinking something positive, just as much as you believe they might be thinking something negative? Yeah. So understand it's a battle of the mind and you can always win that battle if you choose the upside, if you choose positivity, if you choose truth versus, oh, you know, I'm going to choose something negative because you're always choosing. So why not choose the positive?
0: Absolutely. So tell me, Kelly, what was the biggest fear with writing this book and putting it out there to the world? What did you have to overcome in order to make this a reality?
1: Wow. Uh, (laughs) So honestly, pushing through and finishing the book, um, you know, I I thought, you know, "Eh, this is this really necessary? Do people really need this? Do people really care? Mm -hmm. And and I'm just being reminded or reminding myself of my why, like, but you know, people need it. And you know, people care because you have 1000s of women on a daily basis, tell you that they need you and they love what you're doing. and, and, And they don't know where they would be without you why are you choosing to believe the very worst thing possible? And so constantly telling myself like what I just said to the listeners, um, shaking that just in, in, in understanding, I still had work to do in that area. Mm-hmm. So that would probably be um, what I would say the biggest fear was, you know, thinking that this wasn't necessary or important. And and and, and, and telling myself that, that was a lie. And I knew that wasn't true. And that was just my lower self trying to overcome my higher self. And I was not going to let that happen. And here we are.
0: I love it. And I'm so grateful that you chose your higher self and hustling through it, making it, (laughs) making it become a reality. I know personally, the challenges of trying to write a book and get it out there to the masses. So um, by no means is it an easy task and I'm so incredibly proud of you for making it happen. Thank you, thank you so much. Tell the audience and myself, what is the hope? What is the purpose behind this book?
1: The hope and the purpose behind Doctor's Orders is that every woman will take a hard look at themselves first Um, conjure up the bravery to do whatever it is that they need to do to heal their own hearts, their own minds, and their own spirits so that they can reclaim their femininity for good and actually start seeing an uptrend in their lives and so that they'll know it's my femininity that's, you know, and honoring that nature and honoring myself that's going to help me live a life that I deserve and that I want instead of the life that I have had to settle for. That is the hope behind this book.
0: I love that. And there are so many out there who need that message. But most importantly, they need tangible resources. You know, they mm-hmm. they need that direction. They need that guidance to kind of help nudge them towards that path. And I feel that your book is the absolute best tool anyone can go out and obtain to start that journey and have confidence behind it. Um, I just love the book. I love all of your personal touches, you know, the way you word it. Um, you had me laughing so many times because you really do feel like Kelly's sitting right there on your shoulder. Come on, girl, you've got this, you know, you can do this. This isn't going to be easy. You're honest, you're transparent, you share your own personal stories that are so relatable for so many people. And I am so grateful for you having the courage to be transparent and to be vulnerable and put it out there to help encourage others to start stepping into their purpose and start living, giving themselves permission to, live their best life. So thank you so much for this book. It is such a gift to the world. And I encourage all the listeners to run out, grab a copy so that you can start re-embracing your divine uh, femininity and most importantly, for good.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me Heather.
0: Oh, it's such a pleasure, Kelly. So tell the audience where they can find your book.
1: Absolutely. So for now, you can find my book on Amazon. And if you go to the link tree in my bio, or if you go to www.doctorsordersbook.com, you will be taken right to the Amazon links and you can either get the paperback copy or Kindle.
0: Oh, fabulous. And I will make sure to link all of those um, directly in the show notes to make it easy for people as well. And so, where can everyone find you on social media?
1: Um, so you can find me at the femininity doctor um, on Instagram, it, or if you are on Twitter, it's the fem doc, right. <laughs> femininity doc. I'm so sorry, femininity doc.
0: So what's next for Dr. Kelly? What's up your sleeves? What are you working on now?
1: <laughs> well, so I actually funny we're on this call today. I actually just released a free 45 minute webinar, Heather. What? I- Yep. I just released a free, if you go to my um, Instagram page, it's, I talk about it at, the, at the, under the very latest post. It's a free 45 minute webinar to help women reclaim their femininity for good. I just launched that today. That is there forever. Free 45 minutes talking to you about reclaiming your femininity. And I am in the process of writing my second book called He'll Take the Feminine One.
0: Ah. Uh. I love it. I am so incredibly proud of you and inspired (laughs) by you on a daily. Thank you. You keep doing work. The world needs you. And we're so grateful for everything you put out there. So thank you for all of your service and living in your purpose.
1: Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Seriously. Thank you so much.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.